Well, welcome to church, everyone. So glad you are here. I want to welcome those who are online. Thank you for watching this service. My prayer is that you have an encounter with God that's undeniable. I want to encourage you to watch the entire message and and listen to the rest of the service here. I'm glad you're here at church. Aren't you glad to be at church? We get to worship God today. We get to worship God today. We get to worship God today. You know what? When I was in uh, ICU uh, and when I was able to get out and stand, you know what position I had missed? It was this position right here. I hadn't been in this position in a long time. When I was at home, I wasn't raising my hands. I want to encourage you, if you're at home, when you worship, raise your hands, even if it's in your living room or in your car or wherever you're at. There's an incredible power in worship. Puts everything in perspective. Guess what we're talking about today? We're talking about worship. We're talking about worship. Um, today, uh, the title of today's message is Talking to Myself. Talking to Myself. And uh, we're in this series called The People's Hallelujah, and we're looking at different chapters uh, in the book of Psalms. And today it's chapter 103, and King David talks to himself. Uh, We can learn a lot from that. Um, This week I was driving on the road with uh, Pastor Nick. We went out for lunch and talked about church stuff. And uh, while we were driving, there was this guy on the sidewalk, and we were just driving on the road, and I saw him, and he's walking by himself on the sidewalk. It's like in the middle of the day, and all I see him doing is he's walking, and then he goes like this. He goes like this, and then he's looking at his hand, and he's looking straight up in the air. So you know what happened. It was probably a big old hawk or something like that. They did some business on his head. And he, he just, his face was priceless. I mean, he was like this and he looked up and he looked up in the air like he was angry at the bird. And he was like angry at the bird. And he was like taking it clearly. He was taking it personal. And I, I thought this guy has to be thinking this is just my luck. Uh, he has to be thinking like that. But I, I thought we say a lot of things to ourselves. What do you say to yourself? that nobody else hears, but you say to yourself, maybe it's, I have to be perfect. Maybe it's, my life is harder than anyone else's. Maybe it's, if I ignore it, it will go away. It will go away. Or I'm too young, or I'm too old. Or if I follow my heart, everything will work out. Uh, Maybe you say to yourself, I'll never be good enough. Or maybe it's, if only I had, then I'd be happy. Or maybe it's, I can do it tomorrow. Anyone out there? Or they'll never know I lied. Or some people have all the luck. I'm not one of them. What do you say to yourself? I can quit anytime. What do you say to yourself? I don't need help. I'm better than others, or I'm smarter than others. What do you say to yourself? Jerry Bridges, uh, who worked with the Navigators, which is a wonderful college ministry, he said this, don't believe everything you think. You cannot be trusted to tell yourself the truth. Stay in the word. Isn't that good? Don't believe everything you think. You cannot be trusted to tell yourself the truth. And he says, stay in the word. Because we can tell ourselves a lot of things. And when we tell ourselves a lot of things and we contemplate and meditate on what we said, 
And the next thing you know it, we start acting out based on our conclusions within our own head. We make decisions in our head about relationships, about marriage, about life, about careers, about all this kind of stuff, and we have these conversations in our head, and and then when we have these conversations, we come to these conclusions, and then all of a sudden, we start acting out, and maybe it's, I'm going to walk away from church, or I'm going to walk out of this relationship, or they don't care about me, whatever it is, we come to these conclusions within our own self. Um, King David was a guy who learned to encourage himself. Sometimes you don't have anyone around you to encourage you, right? Sometimes, um, sometimes it's just you and God. And King David learned how to encourage himself. He learned how to talk to himself. This is good self-talk. This isn't like pop psychology stuff. He learned how to talk to himself. So Psalm chapter 103 is about King David talking to himself. We're like getting inside the head of King David. So if you came to church and you've got something on your mind, this is such a good message for you. If you're watching online and there's something going on in your life and you feel like you're in a low place, this is such a good word. King David focuses on God. And Psalm 103 has some pretty popular, popular verses. We're gonna start off here. Let's just pray first. God, would you just uh, have your way here? Would you uh, use me by your grace, Holy Spirit? Lead me and guide me. You know, this message is nothing without you, Holy Spirit. So work in me and through me. Make this message just come to life and, 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 and work in the heart of the person who maybe has been dragged to church or the person who's just surfing on, online right now. Where, wherever we're at, I pray that your Holy Spirit grabs a hold of that heart. Work in the heart of the person who's not expecting anything and work in the heart of the person who considers themselves a follower of Christ. Have your way, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say one more thing. Lord, bring healing to our land. We need healing, God. I pray against a spirit of division. I know the devil is trying to use all kinds of tactics to create division in churches. So I just pray against that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for a revival to happen across our land. Start here, God, by your grace at Thorn Creek. Start with our own hearts. May we think differently. May we love differently. May our posts be different. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think I needed to say that prayer. So Psalm 103 um, says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. We're going to look at these first five verses here, but I want to keep reading because it's important for you to hear all of Psalm 103 in its full context. Verse six is this, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. 
he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over it, it is no more and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is what church from what to what? From, from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Say those three first words again. Verse 21 says what? Bless the Lord. Say it one more time. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you who serve him doing his will. Say it again. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's say that again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, bless the Lord. You do that? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The subtitle of this chapter says, Praise for the Lord's mercies, a psalm of David. Now, when you, uh, uh, when you have a certain perspective as you get older in life, right? When you're young, and if you're under, I'll just say under the age of 18, you have a perspective that life just like goes on. Like there are no consequences really in your life. I mean, life is just good. Many times food just magically appears in front of you. You don't know where it comes from, but there it is. And you have no worries. You don't know anything called a mortgage. You don't know anything like that. And you just like, life is just different. The older you get, you recognize how fragile life is, don't you? You recognize how time just flies. You recognize the faithfulness of God. When David wrote this, many Bible scholars believe he was older in life. And he had a perspective of life as he wrote this psalm. And he wrote it and said, look, God is so good. Bless 
the Lord. Bless the Lord. And he keeps saying this. Verse 1, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. I want us to read this out loud, guys. Verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Come on, do it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, what? Bless his I mean, that's like a charge. And David, who is David talking to? Himself. He's saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. See, David had this perspective of life. He saw things that happened in life just didn't happen by chance. He recognized how God used the bad and he used the good and he used the unexpected and he used, as uses everything and he deserves all of our praise and all of our worship and he's the living God and he sees everything and he says, bless the Lord. And then he says it again, bless his holy name. It's like a double invite. It's a double invite. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna call my, my soul to praise God. I'm gonna call out my soul to praise God. Can you just do something? I want, to, I want you to practice this muscle right now. Can you praise God for what he has done in your life? Can you put your hands together? If you want to shout out hallelujah, praise God, whatever it is. I mean, and some of you, here's what happens. Some of you are like, yeah, God has been good in my life. And others of you are thinking like, well, what a snapshot one right now. What's going on here? See, some of you are there and some of you are not. And it's because of a relationship. Some of you have a relationship, an intimate relationship with God, and others of you don't. And I'm so glad you're here. But our worship to God is directly related to our relationship with Jesus. If you have a close relationship with Jesus, you just recognize his goodness. You have a close relationship with God, you just recognize he's so good. If you don't, then there's no relationship and there's no desire to worship. But you were created to walk with God. You were created to worship God. You were created to know God, to know your creator. He says, bless. The primitive root of this word right here, you know what it means? Here's here's what it means. It means to kneel. It means to kneel. And it's this broken place like to take apart. It's this idea that I'm going to humble myself before God and there's nothing about me. And I'm so grateful to God for the breath that he gives in my lungs. David says, that's what the word bless means. It's this idea of breaking or breaking down. And he says, the Lord, bless the Lord. That's his name, Jehovah. But then he says, bless the Lord, oh my, what? Soul. So cool. The original root word for soul means that which breathes. That which, that which breathes. Everybody inhale, just inhale. Let it out. That's you. That's you. Your breath has been given to you by God. God is giving you breath right now. You're watching online, God is giving you breath. Do it again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, that which 
breathes. See, there's an awareness that David has, and the awareness he has is the life that he has is in the hands of God. Your life is in God's hands. Now think about that. When you, when you do things that you shouldn't do, you're still in his hands. When you sin, you're still in his hands. When you turn, back, turn your back against God, you're still in his hands. And he loves you so much, even though you may not know the giver of your breath. David says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. It's such an appropriate verse during the time of a pandemic. During the time when this virus attacks our breath, and people always ask me, Reuben, how are you doing? And I say, well, I lose my breath like if I run a 5K. That's a problem. Yeah, and I'm doing, I'm doing okay. But I want you to hear this. Here's what David is teaching us. You've got to dig deep and tell yourself to praise God anyway. Because you were created to praise God. Even when you don't feel like it, even if, if, if you can't, even if you don't see a way out, even if you feel overwhelmed, even if you feel worried, there's this incredible power when you praise God. It takes the attention off of you. See, it's not about you. It's about who he is and all of his glory. And when you worship God, everything changes. The way you see life changes. There's a really, really super cool song that we're going to be doing here after the message, guys. I'm so stoked about it. But it's called Hallelujah Song. I was a, 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 when we had a Josiah's at my son bachelor party, we were on our way to go play paintball. And, uh, and I, I heard it in my, in, my, uh, in my Xterra, and I let the guys listen to it. I said, we got to do this song. But it's, uh, it's called Hallelujah Song. It's by Judah. And uh, it's based on Psalm 103. But one of the lines in there, the lyric says this, Hallelujah Song is deep inside of my bones. Hallelujah comes up from my silos. Well, the word hallelujah, you see it in the scripture, hallelujah means to praise. And yah, or jah, J-A-H, that's a, four, it's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a shortened form of a four-letter word that describes the name of God. And you know what it is? Yahweh. So it literally means, now Yahweh was a name that if you were living in the days of the Old Testament, you never said Yahweh out loud because that was a personal name of God, a holy name. So this, this phrase, hallelujah, literally means praise Yahweh, the most personal name there is. Literally means praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means, praise the Lord. But it's not just like praise the Lord. He says hallelujah comes from my silos. Anybody ever grow up in a farm or your mom or dad or grandparents have a farm? What are silos? That's the place where you keep the grain. That's the place where, where like the center of the farm, the feed, the grain is all in those silos, right? Everything comes out of those silos. So I love these lyrics right here because he's saying hallelujah comes from the core of my life. Hallelujah comes from my very center of my being. Hallelujah comes from my checking account. Hallelujah comes from my retirement. Hallelujah comes from my pleasures. Hallelujah comes from my bed. 
Hallelujah comes from my kitchen. Hallelujah comes from my car. Hallelujah comes from the deepest places of my very being. But everything that has breath, praise the Lord. It's this awareness that God is God. He is a big God. He sees things that you don't see and you're not in control of as much as you think you are. You're not invincible. Life is fragile. Life is so fragile. I was just driving this week and I was uh, out of my my neighborhood and, and about three cars in front of me, there was a guy on a motorcycle and he was riding, it was just at a stoplight, so he took off on the motorcycle, and, and I don't know, I mean, he was going maybe 15 miles per hour, not very fast, I mean, he was just getting out of the intersection, there were no cars around him, and all of a sudden, he lost control of his motorcycle, all on his own, the motorcycle flips like two or three times, and he's on the floor in the middle of the, in the, middle of the, in the intersection. Everybody stopped, and we called, you know, 911, all that stuff, but I, I thought, you know what, it can happen just that fast. You never know. Crazy things happen in this world. The Lord remembers that we are but dust. We are in the hands of God. Right now, you have an opportunity to worship God on this side of heaven. You have an opportunity to walk by faith. You have an opportunity to know Jesus in the middle of your problems and everything you're going through. Hallelujah comes from the silos. And it has to do with where your eyes are at. Whatever you set your eyes on will determine the course of your thinking. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. That race God has set before us. We do this by keeping Our eyes on whom? Say it like you mean it. On whom? The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. What are your eyes on right now? What are your eyes on? What are your eyes on? Whatever your eyes are on will determine the the trajectory of your life. If your eyes are on a guy, a gal, that'll determine your decisions. If your eyes are on money, that'll determine your decisions. What are your eyes on right now? What's feeding your head? Some of you, you go to church, but you're listening. You might be listening to music that's not God-honoring, and that music is louder in your head than God's word. Some of you are watching stuff, and your eyes are on stuff that God doesn't want you to look at, but whatever you're looking at is getting a hold of your heart, and it's destroying your character little by little. What are your eyes on? The writer of Hebrews says you got to fix your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. And when you look at Jesus and you keep your eyes on him, everything changes. Your perspective changes. Verse two, he says, bless the Lord. Let's read it out loud, guys. Verse two, uh, um, Psalm 103, verse two. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Isn't that good? I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, in the process of being worshipped, it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men and women. When you worship God, you please God. It pleases God when he gets your eyes and you worship him. Another version says it like this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. I want you to hear this. Don't freak out. Remind yourself what God has done in your life. Don't freak out. David is saying something. It's our human nature to forget. It's our human nature to forget. And if you don't have a real good memory, you just forget things that sometimes you don't want to forget. But David is saying, oh, don't forget what God has done in your past. Don't forget. There's something that happens when God moves. When God moves. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. And he used to be a missionary. And he was telling me that when he would take his missionary breaks, he would spend about three years traveling on the road visiting churches. And those are furloughs. That's what missionaries do. When they raise money, they go to churches and they talk about how God is using them in the mission field. It's a very common practice for missionaries. So he was telling me stories how during those three years, he would put literally thousands of miles on his cars, he would go through multiple cars in a period of three years. He put so many miles on him. And then there were times when his car would break down. There were times when they didn't have a place to live. There were times when they were looking for food and God always provided. And then he was called to go to North Korea, communist territory. And people said, aren't you afraid of going to North Korea? And he said, you know what? The same God who took care of me for those three years is with me, and I'm not afraid of North Korea. See, when you see, when you have God, when you experience him in your life, and you recognize his fingerprints in your life, and you say, God took care of me when I was going through that problem. God took care of me when that door closed. God took care of me when the money was down. God took care of me when I, was, I thought this was wrong. And you look back at that life, and you say, God, I'm not worried about anything. I used to worry about things not working out. But then I saw God move. I've seen God move. I used to worry about closed doors, but I've seen God move. I used to worry when the money wasn't there, but, but I've seen God move. I used to worry when, when things happened that I couldn't control, but I've seen God move. I used to worry about the future, but I've seen God move. I used to worry about my health, but I've seen God move. I used to worry about stuff that happened in our world and on the news, but then I've seen God move. It changes your perspective. What you're doing is you're building a spiritual database. You're building memories of recognizing this is what God has done in the past. God moved here and God moved here. And then when you go forward looking into the future, you say, well, I've seen God move in my past. Why am I worried about anything in the future? The longer you walk with God, the more you recognize the hand of God. And David is saying, oh, don't forget. Don't forget what God has done. 
Can you put your hands together and praise God again right now? Can you find that inside of yourself? Isn't God good? You can do that online. Just worship God. It's an awareness that God is God, and he's a good God. I like what Paul Tripp said. He said, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Think about that. No one is more influential than you are because nobody talks to yourself more than you. Nobody. And you'll believe the sermon you preach to yourself more than some preacher behind a pulpit. You'll believe the sermon you preach to yourself more than anything mom or dad will say. You'll believe the sermon you preach to yourself more than even what your spouse says. David says, why should we bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? Because one of the things he does is, this is a God who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. God has the ability to heal. He has the ability to heal. He can do that. He, does, he, he heals in different ways. Sometimes it's just miraculous and it's just boom, you're healed. Other times, God heals in different ways. He might use a physician. He might use medical attention. And sometimes God says, I want you to live with that and you'll have ultimate healing one day. You know, Paul the Apostle learned his grace is sufficient. That's what Paul learned. He learned his grace is sufficient. You have the God who is able to rescue and he's able to heal. He forgives and heals. Don't be afraid. Remind yourself that no sin or illness is bigger than God's grace and healing power. You don't have to be afraid. Somebody needs to hear this. 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. It's like that's one of the reasons why we can praise God. You know, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Because he's the God who forgives. And when you repent and you turn away from your sins, you can expect the forgiveness of God in your life. But God wants you to repent first. He wants you to turn from your sins. He wants you to turn to him with all of your life. Oswald Chambers said this, we must learn to tell ourselves the truth on the basis of God's word. On the basis of God's word. So here's how you shape your thinking. You spend more time in God's word and then your thinking will change. Spend more time in God's word and your thinking will change because our thinking can be skewed a little bit. It can be skewed. I love uh, verse 17 of Psalm 103. It says, but the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the, children, to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant of those who obey his commandments. It's an incredible word. We read this in Deuteronomy also and also in Exodus. It's this idea that when, when, when you choose obedience, your children experiences the blessings of your decision to be obedient to God. Same thing is reverse true too. When you disobey God, your children experience the curses of disobedience. It's not about 
just you. You may not have any children yet, but I want you to know the fact that you're obedient to God, you're already investing in your children. You're already pouring into them before they've even been here. They're not even here yet. And because you're turning to God, your children are going to experience the blessings of God. I see it in my children. I see the favor of God, and I tell my kids, that's the favor of God right there. That's God moving. I want you to know that's what it feels like. That's exactly what, isn't it good? That's what it feels like. Your surrender to God and your decision to worship God and put him first in your life doesn't only affect you, it affects your children. Verse 4, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who redeems your life from the what? From the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. I think about that word pit. Nobody wants to be in a pit. I think of a dark place. I think of a hole in the ground. Have you ever felt like that? Like you're just in this dark place and nobody can see you. And it's so dark you can't even see the hand in front of your face. And you have a God who's able to pull you out of the pit. You have a God who's able to pull you out of the pit. You're not so far away that God can't reach you. You have a God who's able to reach down there and pull you out of that. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Because he's a God who can pull me out of the pit. And he's a God who can crown me with loving kindness and compassion. Aren't you glad God doesn't treat us the way we deserve? Aren't you glad you have a God who extends grace and mercy and the God who gives chances over and over? Aren't you glad you have a God who says, you're still my man. You're still my woman. You're still my daughter. I'm not gonna give up on you. Aren't you glad you have a God like that? Don't be discouraged. Remind yourself that you are the object of God's unfailing love and mercy. Anything else is from the devil. God does not want you to live with guilt and shame and discouragement. God doesn't want you to throw in the tile. God doesn't want any of those things. God has a plan for you as long as you have breath. God has a plan for you. God's unfailing love and mercy is over you. So you have to be careful about what you think. Even when you think about the past, even when you think about the past, there was this psychologist out of Northwestern University, a guy named Dan McAdams. And he did a study on this for like over 20 years about our thought life and what we say. And he discovered when people recall their memories, like when you think about your memories of things that have happened in the past, things that have happened to you, typically there's a hero and there's a villain in our memories. Maybe the villain is the parent or the friend or that boss, or that employer, whatever it is. There's a hero and there's a villain. You know, guess who's typically the hero in your thoughts? Guess who's typically the hero in your memories? But check this out. He discovered there's two types of thinkers. Two types of thinkers. One is the person who looks at their past with this positive outlook. And they have this, what, what he calls a narrative identity. They're typically more optimistic about life. They think, well, it was bad, but it got good. I mean, it was, it was tough that I went through that, 
But I'm glad I went through that. It makes me think about, you know, my little experience involving a school a few years ago for 18 months. Glory to God. Ooh, some of you know what that's talking about. I look back at that, and honestly, with all my heart, I can say, praise God, I can see his faithfulness. I'm grateful I went through that difficult situation. Narrative. Identity. There's another type of thinker here, and these are the people who look back at their history, at their life, at their old relationships, and they have a very negative view. Just very negative. And when they share their story, it's called a contamination story. In their view, it went from good to bad. Everything's about good to bad. It just got worse all the time. So when they retell the story of that old relationship, they retell that story of that old marriage, they retell the story of that old boyfriend girl, they retell the story about that old job, they retell the story about that painful experience, and you can see it, it's a contamination story. But here's the crazy thing, I love what he said. He said, you can change the way you change your, tell your, your old stories. And he said, even making smaller story edits to our personal narratives can have a big impact on our lives. So even when you retell that old story, if you change your view and recognize that God has always been in control and he's always carried you and he is with you, you can look back at that and say, yeah, it was tough, but God was with me the whole time. But God took care of me. And when you edit your story, it could actually affect your heart today. It'll change you today. It'll make you more of a positive person. That small shift in retelling that story will change your attitude about today. Verse 5, check it out. Here it is. Why should we bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? He is the one who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Don't be oblivious. Remind yourself that every good thing in your life is from the hand of God. Every good thing in your life is from the hand of God. Every good thing in your life is from the hand of God. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Has he not provided for you? Has he not taken care of you? Do you remember when he answered your prayer? Do you remember when he met you? And some of you said, I have a calling of God on my life because he met you. Do you remember? God remembers that time. Do you remember when he, when he was with you that whole time in that darkest place? Do you remember how he protected you? Do you remember that unexpected blessing? Do you remember how all of a sudden this happened and, you, and it blew you away? Do you remember how he met you in the pit, in that low place? Do you remember when he was with you when everyone else left you? Do you remember that time? Do you remember that time when you sensed his spirit and you had to pull over in your car and you just cried and cried and cried? That happened to me. I remember driving on, on, on Interstate 10 in San Antonio, going to work for the post office while I was going to the University of Texas. And I remember God got a hold of me in my car and I had to pull over and I started weeping. I haven't forgotten. I started weeping. I haven't forgotten. Do you remember when God met you? Do you remember how, do you know how, how faithful God is to you? Oh, can you just worship God? Hasn't he been good to you? 
Lead us, Riley. Hasn't he been good to you? He's so good. Hasn't God been good to you all your years? Told my life you have been faithful. Mm. Don't my life right. you have been so, so good. Mm. With oh, every breath God. that I am in. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I will see. Of the goodness oh, of God. The goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. Let me put your hands together. Some of you are there. Hasn't God been good to you? Aren't you glad God is not moody like you? Aren't you glad God doesn't go into a funk like you? Aren't you glad God isn't emotional like you? Aren't you glad God doesn't have a temper like you? Aren't you glad God is consistent when you're inconsistent? Aren't you glad God is faithful when you're fickle? Aren't you glad God is good to you? Verse 14, he says, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But, oh, let's look at verse 17. But from what? From, one more time. But from what? The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Wow. You know, um, Bible scholars will say Psalm 104 is actually an answer to Psalm 103. Or excuse me, Psalm 103 is an answer to Psalm 102. And Psalm 102 starts off with this, these words, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let me cry for help. Come to me. So many Bible scholars believe Psalm 103 is an answer to Psalm 102. And many Bible scholars believe actually Psalm 103 is an introduction to the first verse in Psalm 104, which says, here it is, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's the next chapter. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Like all of Psalm 103 is an intro to Psalm 104, verse 1. It starts off just like Psalm 103. There it is again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, that which has breath. That's you. That's me. Let's read it out loud, guys. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Your problems, your problems are opportunities for praise. Can you praise God in the middle of your problem? Can you praise God even when it doesn't make sense? Can you trust God that God is big enough to reach you in the pit? Can you trust God that God is able to save you? God wants to meet with you in a special way. Before service started, somebody came by outside in the parking lot, <clears throat> and they said, uh, 
they wanted to speak with uh, Pastor Ruben. They knew me from a while back. So I didn't know this person. I heard this person's name, and I, I opened up the door, and, and there was this, this woman with her daughter. Daughter had headphones on. She was just not plugged into the conversation at all. She was feeding herself with some other stuff. But the, the wife, the mom, was in tears. In tears. I haven't seen this woman. I don't know if I've spent more than 30 seconds in conversation in the past with this woman. But she wanted to come and speak to me because she remembered coming to church. But I'm talking to her, and she's telling me a problem that she's working through. And, and, and um, I, 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 she knows where to turn, which is really interesting. It's like we know where to turn, right? We know where to turn. We turn to our creator. We turn to our God. I prayed with her, and she wept. And I, I, I encouraged her to come to church. And I said, why don't you come to church? And, and, and it's really, she came to church for her problem, but she hasn't been in church in years. And then I asked her, what's keeping you from church? What are you waiting on? And she said, I don't know. Such an honest answer. And I said, well, you need to come to church. There's this invite that God gives to all of us. And he wants us to turn to him with all of our hearts. Husband, wife, young woman, young man. There's this incredible life God has for you. He is faithful. He can be counted on. He will never abandon you. He will take care of you like a father in heaven. And he will watch over you. And you know what he wants from you? Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Our whole life is about recognizing that he is God. Our whole life is about recognizing who sends the rain. Our whole life is about recognizing who gives us breath. Well, you have an opportunity to turn to God. I don't want to give you that shot. Um, if you're ready to turn to Jesus, I want to lead you to a prayer. If you call yourself a Christian, I want to encourage you to take your worship to another level. I want to encourage you to worship God when you're at home. Just shout it out and worship God. Shout it out in your car, in your bedroom, in the kitchen, or when you go out for a walk or whatever it is. I want to encourage you to lift your hands wherever you're at and worship God. What are you waiting on? God wants you. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And right now, Lord, I want to pray for that person who uh, doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. And if you want to turn to Jesus right now, would you say this prayer? Jesus, right now I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you right now. I want to become a Christian I want to learn how to walk by faith. So as best as I know how, I want to turn to you and make you the leader and Lord and driver of my life. I want to live for you. Others of you might need to say this, God, you know where I'm at right now, and I want to worship you. I recognize in this world there's problems and troubles and valleys and mountaintops, but I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to trust you with my child. I'm going to trust you with my husband. I'm going to trust you with my wife. I'm going to trust you with my future. I'm going to trust you with the unknown. And I'm going to live for you. 
and I use my breath to worship you. May I not forget what you've done. May I not forget all the good things you have done. But may I please you on this side of heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, the risen one, we pray. Amen.